Well, it was in Genesis 1, 3 and 4 that God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and then He separated the light from the darkness. And so there was light, and Genesis 1 tells us, and that was the first day of creation. Now of all the places that the Almighty Creator could have started with creation... He started with light. He could have started anywhere he wanted to. But he started with light. Makes sense to me, doesn't it, you? How many times in the last couple of weeks, how many times, even maybe in the last couple of days, have you literally had to shed more light on something? Whether you're sitting in your vehicle at night and you had to reach up and turn on the map light so you could see something. Going through a drive-thru and you were trying to count out the right amount of change uh, from your little whatever you have in your vehicle that you stick all the change. Every vehicle I've had, I've had something where I piled all the change and had to clean it out from time to time. But yeah... The number of times that you might have to go over toward a window to see something a little more clearly. Just last night, coming into this dark auditorium, because I came in, I wanted to get the communion cups in the baskets and get them out there on the front table in the lobby, and wanted to go ahead and lower the thermostat so it would be comfortable in here this morning. And so even then, coming into a dark auditorium, once you get about right here, trust me, you can't see. There's light from the lobby, there's light from this hallway. You could get about this far. But then I'm thinking, okay, am I going to hit my head on the pulpit? Some of you taller guys wouldn't have to worry about that. But uh, I'm worried, am I going to hit my head on the pulpit? Am I going to, you know, bruise a hip on the communion table? And so I had to reach for my cell phone and use the flashlight on my cell phone just to get into that room over there and grab the communion cups out of the fridge. Light. Something we need every single day. And Jesus, in John 8, verse 12, the verse that you saw this morning, Jesus compares himself to light. Says, I am the light of the world. And so, in his teaching, in Mark chapter 4, we look at Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 21. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. Now, any time we encounter repetition in the Bible, it's important. And so here in verses 23 and 24, 
we're told to listen. We're told to listen up. He who has ears, let them hear. In other words, hey folks, pay attention to this. Now, in the Greek, if it's translated literally, Jesus is saying, does a light come? And of course, the answer to that in the real world is, well, no, a lamp just doesn't show up. You have to reach for it. You have to light it. You have to put it where it needs to go in the room to illuminate what you want to see. But that question in the Greek, does a light come? It's no, but it's also yes, because Jesus is the light. And so, we think about what does light do? Light illuminates. Light lets us see the path clearly. Light aids. Light blesses. And so if we are called to be light, isn't that what we're supposed to do, church? We're supposed to aid. We're supposed to bless. We're supposed to help. We're supposed to help illuminate the path. In John 1 verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now think about that for a moment. When have you ever seen light and then darkness comes and you can no longer see the light? It just doesn't work that way, does it? No. Even a small amount of light The light from my cell phone was able to light my path from there to there last night. Even if you're in a dark room, an example I've used before some time ago was you just light a match. You've got one candle power, one small flame in a dark room. And how much of that room can you see? A whole lot of it, can't you, church? Just one small light. Because that's the power that light has over darkness. And so, if we think about light as being good and darkness as being evil, the reality is it just takes a little bit of goodness to overcome a whole lot of evil, doesn't it, church? Absolutely. And so... Ephesians 5.8 says, Once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. Once you were full of darkness. And then what happened, church family? You saw someone else's light, didn't you? There was somebody that made an impact on your life. A parent, a grandparent, a Sunday school teacher. There was somebody in your life. Maybe a whole bunch of somebodies. And you saw their light. And you were drawn to that light. You wanted some of what they had. You you came to understand that these people 
that bless my life, these people that illuminate my path, they are children of light. They are children of God. And so for many of you, then you made that decision to yourself become a child of God. And praise God you did. Praise God, as Rick mentioned, that he had a plan. That his plan was that light. His plan was Jesus. So then it begs the question, what what do we do to reflect this light? What do we do to be a light for people outside of these walls? Well, it starts with things that are very simple, doesn't it? It starts with kindness. It starts with love. Being a non-judgmental presence. We had a benevolence case this week. Won't go into a whole lot of detail about it. But the people that we helped were super appreciative. And... I told Kay, I said, if they said thank you once, they said it 20 times. And they were heading west from here. One of them had family uh, over, I guess, in, uh, in Memphis. And so we were able to get them a room for the night, some gas in their tank, get them some food. They were really going through a tough time. And there was a plan in place. It just hadn't all fallen into place yet. And I know what it's like. I know some of you do too, to go through a tough time. And you're thinking, boy, if I can just get enough help, just a boost to get over this hump, it's going to be a lot better. But every time they said thank you, I was able to speak the name Jesus. Every single time they said, oh, thank you so much. I was able to hold up my hands as if to say, it's not me. Left to my own devices, I don't know you and I don't come in contact with you. But it's because of Jesus. It's because of a body of believers that they called our office and Kay answered the phone and then I got to meet them. They were sitting right out front when they called. But every time they said thank you, I was able to say, it's not me, it's the love of Jesus. Every single time. Because that's what kindness gets us, church. It gets us an opportunity to speak Jesus into someone's life. Thank you so much. It's not me. It's the love of Jesus. It's not me. It's the love of Jesus. And so we start with kindness. We start with looking, noticing the people around us. Noticing when they might have a need that we can step in and help fill. And that's a great place to start. But if we really want to be light... We have to have a relationship with God, church. We can't, we can't kid ourselves in thinking we can show up for an hour or so a week and that that's going to be all that we need 
to be the light that we need to be for this world. God is calling us to be light. And being here is wonderful. Watching online for those that will do that later today. That's wonderful. But it requires something deeper. Just recently, you know how sometimes you you have a program on television and then you leave for a while and you come back and the program's changed and you're thinking to yourself, well this isn't something I would normally watch. But last night, late, because I do late, and there was Charles Stanley who has preached in Atlanta, Georgia at First Baptist Atlanta for I don't know how long. I'm pretty sure right after Pentecost he started preaching there. I mean, that's a joke, but, but no, Charles Stanley is still going strong. He, I don't know how old he is. His son Andy is in his 50s, I know that. And so Charles has got to be, he's in his 80s, maybe his 90s. But he was telling a story. And of course, being a preacher, and a preacher's telling a story, I took the time to stand there and listen to Dr. Stanley's story. And he was telling a story about some time ago when uh, they wanted to buy some property that was adjacent to their, their church. And uh, the gentleman, he said his name was Mr. Keebler. And he said, Mr. Keebler was a nice man, fine gentleman, but he didn't want to sell his property. And he said, he said, you know, he said, uh, he said, uh, uh, you know, I, I went to him and, and told him, you know, Mr. Keebler, all we want to do is do the work of the Lord. And you've got this property. It's not developed. You're not using it. Would you, would you sell us the property? And, of course, a lot of churches know what this is like. Uh, this church, I would say, there was a time when there were houses uh, back here, weren't there, Philip? And, uh, and so that property had to be acquired at some point. And uh, our church in Kentucky had to buy, I think, about four houses adjacent to the property to expand a parking lot and expand a building. And so sometimes people don't want to sell right away. And so Dr. Stanley says, I, I went to God in prayer over that. And he says, and what I heard God say is do what Joshua did. And he said he thought, the people in my Tuesday morning prayer group are going to think I'm crazy. Now church, what did Joshua do? He got a group of people together and they, they marched around the city, right? And then what happened? They blew their trumpets and what happened to the walls of Jericho? The walls came tumbling down, right? And so Charles Stanley is saying, he says, I'm thinking, you know, this, this just seems crazy, but there was, there was just something gnawing at him. Just last week, I told some people after morning worship, I said I was praying and something just was gnawing at me. And so you spend enough time in prayer church family, is my point, you learn to discern the will of God in your life. If all you're doing is praying when somebody's sick or when you need something, you're not going to develop that kind of relationship. But it's spending time in God's Word. And it's spending time in prayer. 
Prayer, not always asking for something, but prayer that says, God, I love you. God, show me your will in my life. God, what is it you need from me? I know I have a purpose in your kingdom. Show me today what that purpose is. Show me, Father, in the big picture of my life what that purpose is. And so what did Charles Stanley do? Well, Tuesday morning prayer meeting comes. And there they are and he tells us, guys, he says, okay, starting next week we're going to go out and we're going to march around that property. And he said they start, some of them are chuckling and shaking their heads and he says, no, we are. Because that's what the Lord has told us to do. And so what did they do? Crazy as it seemed, the next Tuesday they got together. He said, we prayed for a short while. We spent the rest of our time together out. He said, on hot days, on cold days. He said, there were a couple of days it was so cold, I know they were getting frustrated at me. But there we were, spending our time out, walking around that property. And then one day, I'm sitting in my office, he says, I'm looking out my window and I'm looking at that property. And the phone rings. And of course, who is it, church? It's Mr. Keeber. Saying, y'all still interested in that piece of property I got? Charles Stanley. Well, maybe. What you have in mind? Shot him a price, and he says, for downtown Atlanta, it was more than fair. The church bought the property. And they did something that was part of their long-term vision for that body. That church... Knowing when God is gnawing at you, knowing that, that when the spirit that indwells within us is gnawing at us, doesn't come from having an occasional and haphazard prayer life. It doesn't, be, it doesn't come from being verse of the day type Christians. It comes from having a dedicated study of God's word in your life. It comes from being people of prayer. People of the book and people of prayer. And so, and so if we're going to be the light that we are called to be, it means that we forge a strong bond with our Almighty Creator. The same Creator that said, let there be light. The same Creator that spoke this world into existence. And we have the opportunity every day to go to Him in prayer. To talk to Him. Isn't that amazing? The creator of the universe. Master of the cosmos. And we have an opportunity every moment that we're awake to communicate with Him in prayer. It's an amazing thing. To me, it is an awe-inspiring thing that He can create a world by speaking it into existence, but yet He can care about each one of us enough that He listens to our prayers, church. He listens to our prayers. Matthew 5.16 Jesus says In the same way let your light shine before others 
that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It starts, church, by being kind, being understanding, being patient, understanding that their behavior is often because of where they come from and what they've been through. And so understanding that every person matters, as I said last week, understanding there's hope for them yet. Right, church? Just like there was hope for Paul. Just like there was hope for Peter. Just like there's hope for Greg. There's hope for us yet. There's hope for them yet. Be kind. Be compassionate. Be generous. Be understanding. Be gracious. In those ways, you are reflecting the light of God. But to really, really be the light that God calls us to be, spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer. And forge a bond with God that is incredible. And let His light shine through you in an incredibly amazing and bold way. It can happen. And then, when this group right here, when our lights are shining bright, when we are beacons in our community every single day, how much better is our community going to be? How much more eager are people going to be to want some of what we have? But it starts with us. And it starts with a relationship with God. And then interacting with others in a way that reflects the light of the Father. Let those who have ears, let them hear. If you're with us today and you are not yet a child of God, you are not yet walking in the light, we can change that today. We offer the invitation. We offer the waters of baptism. And it can all start fresh and new for you. And if you're with us today and there's some other need that you have, then we offer you the opportunity to come and let us pray with you about that concern. Let's stand together and sing.